0: ACDC Beyond the Thunder podcast.
1: With your thunderous hosts, Kurt Squires, Greg Ferguson, and Eric Kueb. Are you ready?
2: Welcome back to a loud and proud edition of ACDC Beyond the Thunder, the podcast that showcases the true colors of its guests that have been influenced by, yep, you guessed it, ACDC. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, along with my thunderous support team, Eric Keelb, who's diddling the knobs behind the board right over there, as well as my trusty cohort, Mr. Greg Ferguson. So Greg, another tribute band, but
1: this time we got a little twist. Yeah, we do. As you know, we've had a few cover bands on or tribute bands. Uh, we've had Hell's Bells. We actually interviewed Herstruck Yes, uh, with Chris Slade. That's an episode that's waiting to come out of the can. So uh, excited about that one too. Forgot about that one. We, you know, we've 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 gone the bluegrass route with Hasty Dixie. We've done the uh, classical route with two cellos. You know, we've been all over, folk, country. There's a cover band for AC/DC somewhere out there for those guys, too. But literally hundreds of AC/DC cover bands all over. And uh, hands down, one of the most creative takes on AC/DC. probably the best I've ever heard and seen, uh, they're quite a, quite a visual, uh, is Gacy DC. Yes, Gacy
2: DC, they've been on our radar for just a, A couple of years but believe it or not this is the band's 10th anniversary and so Greg what was your reaction when we first
1: talked about getting these guys on the show? You know I think the first time I heard about these guys my wife Liz introduced me to them and uh, it was the visual that got me Right away, I mean, you know, they can play the music and they can play the music really well, but the visual just, it's like, it's the whole package. It's, it's a sight that you gotta see. If, if you haven't seen ACDC, you gotta go and Google it and, and watch some of their live performances. It's, it's 100% electric, it's awesome.
2: And that's fine, is all about fun and cheeky fun, we'll say, I mean it. Let's face it, Angus Young has been stripping for money in front of a largely <laughs> male
1: audience for most of his career, so there is that. As you know, the first concert I went to was ACDC. Uh, it was Fly on the Wall tour. And I remember standing there. You were there, too, at yeah. the same concert, Kurt. And I remember standing there, a sea of men all around me. And all of a sudden, the guy on the stage is stripping. I'm like, that's Angus Young. And he's taking his clothes off. Like, what the hell is going on here? But being my first <laughs> concert, I was like, I guess this is what happens. <laughs> then my second concert it was, is Rush. And I remember, you know, standing there and, and like, when's the striptease going to happen? When's, when's Alex going to take his clothes off? <laughs> it never happened. It yeah, never happened.
2: Probably a lot of dudes at that show, too.
1: Yeah. I hung out with a lot of dudes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Let's get this party started. We're headed to Los Angeles to welcome the world's first and only all-gay ACDC tribute ban founded by Chris Freeman, who's best known as the bass player and the architect of the queer core punk rock band Pansy Division, but more importantly for today's purposes, the creator and frontman of gay DC. Chris, welcome to ACDC Beyond the Thunder.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, is that true you're the only all gay ACDC dc tribute band?
0: That is such a niche of a niche, <laughs> of maybe even another niche
2: that yeah, it's it, I'm sure
0: it's true. What <laughs> when we first when and the reason how we thought of the name was uh, several of us were in another band called the Gay Gays, which was an all-gay tribute to the Go-Go's. Nice. And our lead singer at the time decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So we were like, well, we're enjoying this. What other g- names could we do Like with the word gay in it? You know, tribute bands. And one of us, Carl, said, Gay-C-D-C. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. oh, hold on. <laughs>
2: hold yeah. on.
0: That's, that's a good one. I like it. Why that's gotta have already been used. And we, you know, now that we have the internet, we can look it up and go, Nope, it did nobody's used it. Genius. So we we grabbed it.
2: <laughs> well, I that's hilarious. I I wanted to start off with ACDC's origin story, which actually begins with a very interesting connection to gay culture when Angus and Malcolm's sister, Margaret, who by the way was the mastermind behind Suggesting that her little brother wear a schoolboy uniform originally came up with the band's name, AC DC. After I did not know
0: these things. I'm I'm fascinated. Oh,
2: good, good. So after seeing it on the back of her sewing machine, she said, Why don't you name your band ACDC? And Angus and Malcolm loved it. And they were on their way to a gig in a taxi, and the taxi cab driver said, What's your band's name? And Malcolm said, ACDC. And the driver said, you're not all gay, are you? And Malcolm and Angus looked at each other and said, what? You know, and the driver then had to explain to the young brothers that the term AC and DC implies bisexual. And they were completely clueless about that term. And that all started to make sense because they were constantly being booked in gay clubs around town. Did you know this story?
0: I did not. Um honestly, I I did hear something about the the sewing machine. Yep. I did not know, you know, where, the background behind that, um, and I did hear that they uh, that they were shocked to learn. I have heard that separately that the, that what the origin of the term ACDC was, but I, I always thought that was interesting because didn't Sweet have a song called ACDC at the time, which is ACDC? She's got some other woman as well as me, <laughs> you know. Yes. and that was that was very popular. That was on Desolation Boulevard. So right. I I'm wondering how they didn't know it just from another
2: song i don't know that's a good question to be honest with you i don't think it was a huge term at least where i grew up in new england did you remember that greg
1: no i mean i i think i knew what acdc was probably in college like that's kind of when that became clear to me me too me too so well
0: being gay are you acdc you know they would ask me that too when i was Yeah. yeah yeah when i was young Wow. Yeah. they would tease well, me about it and they did bring it up so i was i've been familiar with it for a while Right, <laughs> probably what like 74 was when i first got started getting really teased in junior high and that's when i remember becoming aware of that yeah
2: and all the other versions let's well let's let's <laughs> let's talk about your origin story you sure. you were originally born in seattle and it was your parents who introduced you to music with piano lessons but then ironically, once you considered music as a serious life decision, you were shot down in flames, so to speak, by them. Right. Right? Very clever. Yes. uh, Yes, I was.
0: (laughs) You know, um, my dad used to say, you know, musicians, they're just like one step up from the hookers in a bar. Oh (laughs) man. And I'd be like, what's wrong with that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and he really got angry and I had my own job. I mean, I lied on my uh, application at McDonald's and when I was 15, said I was 16 to get a job. And I started saving money for an instrument. And then when I got my first IRS refund check, I got that big windfall and I actually could go buy it. And, um, you know, I brought it home and my dad was like, what's that? No, oh, it's my base, dad. I'm, I'm, thrilled i got a base and he was like would you get that money i'm like my irs refund check from the job nice. <laughs> none of your money thank
2: you wow
0: and uh and he still said you know you should be saving that money for college
2: and oh, I'm of like, course yeah 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 blah, blah. of course <laughs> <laughs> well it was a, it was around that time you said the the it was the first time you heard acdc on the radio like in mid 70s and correct which was it makes you a very early adopter Uh, of a little known track called soul stripper. Yes. What do you recall about that moment?
0: The FM radio in Seattle in '75 through '78 or so was they they could do a little bit more um, with you know being like adventurous, right? And playing different things, playing longer versions of things, and uh, some deeper cuts. And in Aberdeen, Aberdeen was really I lived in Aberdeen from '74 to '77. Okay, I didn't know Kurt. He's like six years younger than me, so wow, I I didn't know him, but I knew plenty of people, like the guy from Metal Church. Oh, wow. Uh, And I didn't know the Melvins because they were in a town over. So, and some people that ended up in the lewd later, I knew them, but the radio there was very experimental. The The Ramones even played
2: Aberdeen. Wow. And oh, they
0: wow. some of their songs would get played, like Beat on the Brat. I remember hearing that late at night on, uh, on the FM station down there, KGHO. They would play other songs, like bands that were coming up, like, okay, we're going to play some of their older stuff. Yeah. So I didn't hear Soul Stripper when it came out. I heard it sort of like, okay, the new ACDC album at the time for me was Let There Be Rock. Okay. That was the first album I heard by them. Yeah. But then in conjunction, then they play, you know, It's a Long Way to the Top, Soul Stripper, which is still one of my favorite songs. And uh, ride on was a big popular one at that point because it was so mellow for you know late at night. Sometimes they'd even end the the night with that song, you know. Wow. Um, so I got familiar with that older back catalog, although I didn't have those albums. I didn't. I'll, I only had Let
2: There Be Rock later. That's that's amazing. That's a pretty progressive radio station, if you think about it, and a very unique song, because you've got Bond sounding androgynous as ever. And if I'm not mistaken, I hear like a little maraca going on, some bongos, a disco bass line. Right. And then there's some top of a Coke bottle being hit with a spoon kind of noise. But Soul Stripper is definitely an interesting ACDC still kind of finding their way. Said you tried to hide your homosexuality growing up, and that you were routinely beat up at school and you were eventually kicked out of your parents' house at 16. What was that time like for you? And how did music get you through that period? Music
0: was always the for me a focus. You know, it kept me away from drugs, it kept me away from uh I I dealt drugs at the time, (laughs) Um, but I I didn't, you know, I I learned from a dealer. He said, don't do your stash. You know, don't don't partake of your own stash. I'm like, "Okay, I got I got it. Um, So that got me through uh, high school. (laughs) Yeah. Music was really I thought that was the only thing I was built for. Yeah. I really didn't feel like there was anything that gave me any passion. And that went way back to when I was my parents divorced when I was nine. Okay. And, um, there was a massive custody battle and my mother was found to be an unfit mother. Wow. And, uh, so there was this whole issue there, but songs on the radio, like without you by Harry Nielsen, I mean, I would just sit there and bawl like somebody hears me some, there's somebody in this radio that knows what I'm going through. Yeah. And I felt not alone. Um, And, you know, I didn't have many friends back then that I could explain this to, you know, they were all in good families, you know, and mine was falling apart. So I, I turned to the radio and that always became some
2: source of connection is this the beginning of your punk rock angst stage like you know, <laughs> it, it seems like it's a good time for it. and even acdc was lumped into the punk thing
0: they were they were called punk they were they were definitely marketed as a punk band right uh i definitely remember that yeah even Tom Petty, because he dared to wear a leather jacket on his first album cover, he was called a punk. What Really? Yes.
2: That's yes. hilarious.
0: I mean, you know, you listen to Elvis Costello albums now, they're like, you could, you know, sit reading a book to them. But back then, he was considered punk, Yeah, you know? <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> so it's, it's, it's so dangerous. Right. Um, I think for me, I got into punk probably around, well, 78 into 79, I started hearing about, stuff and well more even 77 i was buying magazines with kiss on the cover right you know as a huge kiss fanatic so anything to get another picture of kiss that i've never seen you know so and then they'd have these articles okay well here's some of the other bands in the new york scene oh oh okay well uh, television huh ramones oh i've heard about them oh um and then oh here's um Talking Heads and Blondie, you know, and I was reading about these other bands that sounded exciting to me. And I was starting to also at that time, start playing my, my own shows Mm Mm-hmm. And I was seeing other bands, like my first big band premiere, if you will, like the first time I was really on a stage with lights and stuff was at Lake Hills roller rink. It was called, um, metal fest, 1981. Yes. And on the bill was uh, TKO with Adam Brenner on guitar who tried out for kiss later. Um, and Jeff Tate was in three bands. He was in myth cathedral and the mob and the mob were doing, Black Sabbath and Judas Priest covers. So, you know, the mob rules. So that incarnation later became Queensryche. Right. But we were second on the bill. My band was second on the bill. But I noticed that there were these huge amps behind me. And I was like, they're empty. What's going on? There's nothing in there. Why would they put these? Oh, I see. It's like the, it's like stuffing a (laughs) cock in your pants, you know? Uh, It's like, okay, we can't get along with just, you know, our good sounding amp. You got to like make this tower of bullshit behind you. I love it. And I hated that. Yeah. And I was like that. uh," And then it dawned on me, oh, that's probably what Kiss was doing. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't even make the connection. My 18th birthday, I got two yellow albums. One was the first Devo and the other was the first B 52s. Nice. Those albums started me right down that road. I'd already been listening to the Ramones. I always liked that sort of comic book funny. Yeah. Those fit right in fast. And so I started going more towards that because it felt more authentic. Mm-hmm. And I started feeling less like the rock that I was seeing or listening to was authentic. It started to have a decline. Like, And I bought like a hit parader cassette uh, that had a bunch of bands on it. I was like, oh, Right. Some of this is really bad, you know, like (laughs) it's just not
2: good. It was a real fertile time, too, for bands like that were a bit more, you mentioned KISS, a bit more flamboyant. You had Queen and Bowie and Reed and the New York Dolls and even Elton John. Right. Maybe you have a, a dash of disco making waves at that time. Yeah. There was a lot of glam, hard rock punk coming in, and those must have been exciting for you.
0: It was very exciting. What was difficult, though, was I... I've been to eight, uh, nine different schools when I grew up. So I was in two grade schools, four junior highs and three high schools. So I changed school districts and whole friends like within a year in some places. Oh wow! Yeah. So I didn't have any, you know, like some people, they grow up with the same people throughout their life and, and they have these friendships that go back. I don't. Yeah. So, but what that also meant was I wasn't pigeonholed at school. So I could listen to anything. So it didn't really bother me to put on the Sex Pistols and then follow it up with Ricky Lee Jones or, you know what I mean? Like, I just play whatever I liked. Yeah. And I didn't have anybody telling me what was cool or not. I just liked what I liked. But it was harder to find other musicians. Right. uh, Who felt that same way. I was in my first bands before I came out or before I even knew. I mean, I had a girlfriend until up until the time I had my first experience with a man and went, oh, that's what's. That's what it's been this whole time. Wow. Uh, You know, now I understand and I gave up pretending. But yeah, that, that was difficult. I was lucky in that the band that I ended up in, they were all very supportive of me. At some point, though, in the late eighty, mid to late 80s, like 85 or so, we were kind of being sniffed out by a and Records and they sent up a marketing team. You know, they have these people that come and groom the band and find out what you're about. And yeah. like, what, what's, what story is here? You know, what can we tell about this band? And it came up that I was gay. And they said, well, we know you're one of the main songwriters, but you're really you're just the bass player. And you've got these other singers up here and other people. So we just won't make you available for interviews. Wow. And that will give you no opportunity to have to say that you're gay or come up with that. Just don't ever say it. That's rough. So my band members were like, really are you gonna do that dude and I'm like well come on this is what we wanted right I mean you know yeah and uh so I went along with it and then that folded because there was a lot of pressure so it ended up not being anything anyway but it gave me thought like I can't now I'm not going to be able to you know that band's done where am I going to find people that are open and in fact the last band I decided to leave Seattle in 87 before grunge and everything, mm-hmm. I met up with this band called Model Citizens and I walked into the, uh, rehe- or the audition and I was like, oh, shit, that's Viv Savage playing keyboards. Wow, <laughs> wow. David Caffinetti, the actual keyboard player from Spinal Tap, yeah. was the keyboard player in this band. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, this is crazy. What am I doing here? And I stayed with them for a few months and then I just realized I can't because I can't come out to them. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're all that, you know, the the lyrics are all like, you know, the most horrible, drippy bullshit lyrics from Journey, just really bad. (laughs) The music was a little like Sisters of Mercy. So it was a little weird, like Sisters of Mercy. And then you're going tunnel of love. I mean, what? what
2: Interesting combo.
0: So, so, yeah, I decided, well, I can't do that. Um, And I quit and I sold some gear. I thought, well, that's it, because I was 28, and you know, it takes two or three years for a band to get off the ground, and if you're over 30, you're never getting signed. Then it was later. I just sort of kept up with the papers, and that's how I ran into the article or the uh, ad for John asking about Pansy Division. Mm -hmm. So, and that was 19 mm, September of 91. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, who's that?
2: (laughs) Was this the first openly gay rock band? Yeah. Wow. That we knew of. Yeah. So,
0: um, so it came to light, you know, that maybe we weren't the first, but you know what? To a lot of people, that was the first time they saw anything like it is when they saw Pansy Division. Th-
2: this got the attention of Green Day at this time. And they, you did you, you became the opening act Yeah. for their very first tour, correct?
0: Yes. They had done their first two records on Lookout. So we became label mates. Like when we first signed on, um, Larry handed me Kerplunk. Which was their second album on Lookout, and I was like, "Oh shit, man! They're not—they're not long for your label." Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, this
0: is terrific. Yeah. Like, if this had a bigger, better production, they're going to be huge, right? And right. we were right. But they used to come and see us at Gilman. We didn't really know who they were. They'd spray painted "Sweet Children," their first band name. They spray painted that up on the eve and, at Gilman, and we played Gilman quite a bit so they were familiar with us and i think they wanted to bring that culture that no homophobia no violence no you know all that stuff they wanted to bring that culture on the road with them nice um i mean originally it was tilt was on the tour and then they they tilted <laughs> <laughs> uh, and fell off uh and then we were asked um, you know and it was it was a thrill
2: that's amazing that is great yeah and in case you didn't know just a fun fact billy joe armstrong added a picture of Angus Young on their Dookie album cover as he is a big ACDC fan. So he
0: is. He certainly is.
2: Listeners, if if you're listening, you can go look at your album and there's a little Easter egg of Angus Young on there. Yeah. And we heard on that tour you were playing a sold-out show in Madison Square Garden with Green Day. You called your parents backstage to celebrate this incredible achievement. And how did that call go? You did dig. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Well, you know, my dad and I had always had a contentious relationship. I understand now the reasons why I was kicked out, the, re- the real reasons, you know, and I I understand him more, but, and I have to forgive him. Otherwise it will be, it would eat me alive. But I, I had one of those moments where because he always hated that I went with what I did, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't do what he thought I should do, which was join the navy and be a dentist. Wow, you know, something stable like the arm, or you know, but like the military. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to need to get their teeth fixed, kid. Um, and I, he he was totally disappointed in in me entirely, you know. Yeah, but I finally was. I felt like this is this is that moment. You know, where I can it where he might have this aha moment where I'm like, I'm backstage at Madison Square Garden, dad, you know what Madison Square Garden is. You followed boxing, you know, Right. Uh, and this is, you know, and he was like, oh, that's good, kid. He didn't care.
2: Wow. Did not care. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's, uh, that's rough.
0: The first time where he reached out to me was when we had an article in Newsweek and that was probably 2009 and Newsweek came into his hands and he opened up and there's me and that was the wow. first time he reached out to me and said oh whatever turf he felt was hollow ground I ended up there interesting and that was the only time wow never seen me play at all never ever nope wow. neither of my parents ever came to see me nope oh boy <laughs> like I say I understood you know yeah. they were severely damaged people so it <laughs> probably shouldn't have been parents
2: oh after Pansy Division, or or you're still in Pansy Division, but you eventually moved to LA, and you had mentioned the Gay Gays, which is a, a Go-Go's tribute band, which is hilarious. And that lasted for a decade, but we were reading where you actually played a Jane Wheedland's after party for the Go-Go's last show, right?
0: That was the last show on the tour, gotcha. and then we played the after party. Um, and, uh, it was really
2: fun. I mean, she was saying with us a little bit and it was, it was really fun. So you had a, a decade long run with the gay gays and then in 2013, you and fellow gay gays bandmate, Carl Rumpf, who you had mentioned, decided to form an all gay tribute to ACDC. What's more important, a clever tribute band name, because let's face it, they are pretty clever or the actual band you're covering.
0: I'm going to say it's the presentation because you've got a group like Yachtly crew and they're not a tribute band, but they're, they're sort of a cover band in a way, but they're exploding one time capsule, Mm -hmm. the seventies, late seventies sort of, which I hated. I mean, I hated that kind of pop like Christopher cross. I just
2: loathe (laughs) poor Christopher,
0: (laughs) but seeing them do it is a completely different thing and it made me reassess it because we played with them at the viper room and i was like and they did baker street like and i do like that song but they made me love it again because their sax player got up and walked down the bar doing the sax solo i mean it was like okay presentation (laughs) is everything yeah you can sell people crap. I mean, Kiss has been doing it for years, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can sell people crap just by having the best presentation possible. Um, and that's what we decided, you know, it's like, okay, what can we do with ACDC? Because you've got so many great ACDC tribute bands yes. that, get, that, that get the look down as well.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: We are not going to get the look down with this lineup. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody <laughs> in ACDC
2: that's six five. <laughs> Oh, my
0: God. So, I mean, how? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, then we thought, all right, well, then that leaves the whole presentation is up for grabs we're gonna just yeah. we're gonna throw away the the uniforms and we'll do little touches like steve still wears the tie and the, the school girl skirt yes and sometimes i wear the you know the brian johnson sort of hat you know but i wear a sequin version <laughs> of it you know and i pull it over my <laughs> yeah. eyes and pretend i can't see <laughs> there's little references to it but it's it's an homage i mean there's nobody in the band that's in it to to give them the finger right you know what i mean like yeah we spent months woodshedding it it's like okay if we're gonna do this it's got to be right you know the music has got to sound good because as a gay tribute band the first thing the people in hollywood are going to do is fold their arms and stare okay show me Show me you got it. Yeah, you know, I knew that. I said we have to be sharp. We've got to have that swing that's in there. So yeah, I said the drummer, we got to here's you know get this down. Everybody in the band worked so hard. So by the time we were ready, it really was ready.
2: about you guys you really know how to play the music well and um speaking of brian welch the drummer who came on board was he a guitar tech for extreme
0: he was a drum tech for extreme okay and i met him because he was booking the talent for boston pride okay i met him in 97 he booked our band and in pansy division and then we stayed at his house and everything so i got to know him and then when he moved out to la we just like oh let's I think we should be friends. Let's be friends. Um, He had seen all all along how hard it is to find good drummers in general. Mm -hmm. But finding a gay good drummer, man, I mean, Pansy Division, we went through 13 drummers before we came up with Luis in five years. Wow. We had four drummers on the Green Day Tour alone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I knew how hard it was to find good drummers and finding somebody who could do what we were doing. So, one night I got him drunk at the Dresden room. <laughs> <laughs> and said, "You've always, you've always like crowed that you've, you've, or the drum tech of of extreme. You had to have been sitting at the kit. You had to have had something that they went, yes, uh, you can do this. So, sure, I'm, I want to get you in a, in a rehearsal room and see if you've got
2: anything." And he was like, oh, "Okay." And he's a true fan. <laughs> like I, I was shocked that he was talking about his favorite uh, ACDC albums. He called it affectionately the letter F menage à trois A C D C albums for those about to rock flick of the switch and fly on the wall. He cited Fly in the Wall as his favorite, which is an unexpected but awesomely refreshing pick.
0: For me, not expect, not unexpected because he also like, he thinks Hot Space is the best Queen album. <laughs> well,
2: that's what makes you guys great.
0: I mean, he's he is that kind of guy. He's like, okay, Dynasty is the best Kiss album. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> we, all, we like all the same bands, but for the different reasons. And that's you a cool... Know, the cool
2: thing about your band. <laughs> you bring different elements of ACDC or a love of ACDC. Yes. And um, By the way, did, speaking of Brian, did I read where your stage names are a little tweaked? So his name is Fellatio Rudd. Is that right?
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, And and they didn't really fly. We were wondering if we wanted to do like alternate egos, like having like, are we going to have characters that we become on stage? Are they going to have names? And we thought about that, but then they never stuck because who cares? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're not that famous. So, but we thought, well, all right, that's that's something we can approach later if that if that happens. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so we had these names like Boner Scott, you know, or something. But you know, uh, I mean, it's a little too it's a little too roll eye rolly in a way. I mean, it's it's fun, but you know, and we start we did start down that road. Like, okay, what is Boner Scott's backstory? Oh you know, wow, you we know, uh, went <laughs> deep. We thought, all right, well, we maybe well, let's put that on the side, you know, and we, we might get there someday. But yeah, fellatio Red, <laughs> that's
2: classic. <laughs> (laughs) Let's talk about Glenn Pavan from uh, the L.A. queer punk rocker's Best Revenge, who took over for you on bass, so you could take on the role of Bond, Scott. Um, Right. He chose Razor's Edge as something that inspired him most, but surprisingly, it was rock band from playstation that he said when he joined the band that rock band taught him half the songs before he even auditioned that's quite possible
0: yeah i mean i don't know exactly um he did walk in and had it i mean he in fact he was like so uh, we i think we had four songs prepared at that point so he walked in and he's like okay is that all you got
2: wow He was
1: ready. Like
0: I learned I learned 10 or 15 songs, and you guys learned four. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he was really overprepared. It was funny. Wow. The last guy you had mentioned, uh, Steve McKnight, the, the jacked up shave-headed schoolgirl, skirt sporting, rainbow, striped <laughs> knees, stocking wearing, <laughs> guitar shredding. <laughs> originally, he's originally from Cry Wolf, the, the sunset strip band from the 80s. But how did his spin on Angus Young in drag come about? Did you help? Him with that is that all him
0: no i mean one of the things i thought of was okay if we're going to build this sort of um presentation and everybody's going to doll up or whatever they're going to do i want to i don't want to tell anybody what to do as far as the music goes yes we've got a blueprint so you're going to follow that that's going to be for sure yeah but everything else i want to see what you come up with you know i'm going to trust your gut to do what you want And so everybody developed their persona and their stage clothes and everything all on their own. Nice. Even like Glenn, he grew a beard at one point and we just couldn't tell him not to wear it. And then finally he saw video <laughs> of, of himself with this Grizzly Adams beard. He goes, that looks awful. I'm like, <laughs> oh, thank, God. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't tell you not to wear it because we just can't do that. With Steve, he actually had this like, okay, I'm going to be the bodybuilder from another country, like a Heidi kind of thing. And he took that from <laughs> the first video of ACDC where Bon Scott did the picture be long stocking oh, wig yes. oh yeah hey. so he actually had the wig for the first couple of shows but after the second song it slid right off
2: i mean there was nothing to hold it <laughs> on. Oh, i forgot bond did a little drag drag show himself
0: yeah you know bodybuilder you know uh, schoolgirl gone wrong. <laughs> so he he did that whole, uh, all of that himself. He came up with the tie and the skirt and everything. Because I was like, I don't know what you're going to do if you're going to have a sachet that you, you know, like a satchel that you wear, like, you know, like a book bag. Yeah. That's what he did. And I'm like,
2: oh, of course.
0: There it is. You know? yeah.
2: <laughs> He's kind of like doing an Angus Young striptease, but throughout the entire show, because is he wearing anything underneath the skirt?
0: At times. <laughs> it depends on how high the stage is honestly (laughs) or how rowdy he's feeling (laughs) sometimes (laughs) he'll sit in the back and we're about ready to go on and he'll be like (laughs) No, I'm going Commando. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Uh, we had done some digging on Steve. He said that If You Want Blood was his favorite album from ACDC, which gives him a lot of credibility because that that's a great live record. And he said that he actually attended the Day on the Green performance at the Oakland Coliseum, which is amazing because that was like 1978 or so. So he he's right. definitely an old school fan. Yes,
0: correct. When we sort of presented him with this idea, he really jumped at it. He he was like, "Yes, I'll definitely, I'll be Angus." He does things precisely, but he also does them a little notch up. So he adds a little bit of zhuzhing, Yeah. <laughs> his own guitar jujing <laughs> to the to the playing. So it's a little bit more than just uh, than just Angus. It's a it's hyper hyper Angus. I love that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Steve, I I don't think I've ever been this close to a guitar player of his caliber, honestly. He's pretty phenomenal.
2: As a brief insert for listeners here, following this recording, Gacy DC's rhythm guitarist, Clint Yeager, sadly passed away at the age of 53 from complications during surgery. Uh, the band are obviously heartbroken and we wanted to let the guys know that we we're thinking about them. But during this time of grieving, Gacy DC want to honor Clint's legacy by moving forwards and listeners, they are on the lookout for their new Malcolm Young. So if you're a gay man based in LA, and you've got the rhythm, you too can audition to join the band right now. Simply send the group one or two clips of yourself playing some ACDC, and go to gaycdc.com, gaycdcofficial.com, and that's it. Good luck. And on another note, Greg, Eric, and I have established two charities that we are donating to, the Make-A-Wish and Nordif Robbins Foundations. And if you're a fan of listening to the ACDC Beyond the Thunder podcast, pledging as little as $1 or the price of a cup of coffee to these deserving causes is what we're all about. You can donate at the beginning of the show, after you listen to the episode, or some other time. But here's what you do. You go to beyondthethunder.com, you hit the charity button, and PayPal will do the rest. And if you donate, then we just may call your name out on the show like Remy-Andre Unvik, Kel Way, and Christian Spurk. Or as fans around the globe know him, Spurky. For your donations, gentlemen, we salute you. Back to the show. The wild thing about what gay DC does is that there's no more masculine band than ACDC. Let's say that they just ooze machismo and blue <laughs> collar and toughness. But you guys just totally flip that on its head and you're dressed in drag, making lyrics even more single on entendre, if that's possible. <laughs> but <laughs> the concept is so much more arresting than, let's say, if you guys did a Holland Oates tribute band or something like that. You know? Right, 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 um, right. Is it a prerequisite to be gay in the band? You know, no thankfully worked out that way
0: yeah i mean in pansy division that was the goal forever was to be an, the all gay yeah. band and we still aren't our lead guitar player in pansy division for 19 years now is joel reeder who was the bass player in mr t experience okay and he's straight but we've known him forever he helped us out in a pinch and we were like well then would you mind joining i mean we we love you or you know and he, he had no problem with it. So at some point being all gay, you know, I have to say no. Yeah. If we had to find somebody or, or and and in fact, we actually have played a show um, when Brian was out of town. We played with the uh, drummer for Bonfire, who is amazing player, so good. So you know, we we're, we call them allies. You right. know, as long as the people along the front are are delivering that uh,
2: g- more than delivering the gay message, <laughs> 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 smearing it all over everybody. Well, you mentioned uh, Bonfire. It's- do you have some favorite ACDC tribute bands out there? By the way, the, the gals in Hell's Bells say hello. They're very big fans of you.
0: Thank you. I was just going to say Hell's Bells, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes, they are. They were so much fun. I've seen them several times. Yeah. Um, Bonfire, excellent, excellent yeah. band. Um, beyond that, I haven't seen too many. What's the best thing about being
2: in a tribute band?
0: I was not going to use the word easy, but it's not as difficult as selling your own songs to an audience you don't know, yeah. So if I'm playing in Pansy Division, you know, now we've got years and albums behind us, so most of the people that show up are going to know our stuff. But originally, going out and playing your own material is really bearing. It's it's like taking your clothes off in some yeah. way. You know, I hope they like my babies. You know, sure. um, whereas with a tribute band. And especially like ACDC, you know, the people are going to love it. If you, as long as you deliver the music correctly, and get them going, get their body going.
2: The presentation can be anything. You once said that most gay people are not interested in rock. They want EDM and show (laughs) tunes. And So does that mean your audience is more straight than gay?
0: Absolutely correct. And that's true for Pansy Division too. Although Pansy Division did just play a few shows this last weekend, and I was surprised at the number of younger queer youth, people who don't associate with anything yet, um, were at these shows. You know, they weren't even born when we started. Wow. Um, oh, that's hard to say. <laughs> oh, my God. I just said it out loud. Yeah. Like, oh, man. I uh, know. I know. I think being gay and being seen as gay, to me, is really important. I think I that lesson to me for when I, you know, when I couldn't come out to the uh, keyboard player in Spinal Tap. I'm sure he would have been okay with it. Yeah. But I, their music didn't match me at all. Like, it was just... Mm-hmm. So ugh, even more hetero machismo than than ACDC. ACDC always had humor. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what I love. Yeah. That's what I loved about good punk was the humor part. You know. Yeah. Devo made me laugh. You know, ACDC early stuff that some of that made me laugh so hard. Sure.
2: Well, tell us about some of the ACDC song titles you've rearranged uh, to, better, <laughs> to better fit your <laughs> show. Well, I'll, I'll tell
0: you about the one that I haven't rearranged, and that's Big Balls.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of them write themselves, right? Like, Let's Get It Up pretty much works as is. Right. Unfortunately,
0: a lot of the songs that we want
2: to add to the set
0: are mid-tempo ah. and so like let's get it up those songs are not as good live they don't boogie as much they don't you know if you do too many of them you're starting to lose your audience and you see them going to the bar and you know they're, they're, I, I know better I can see it and I always fill my ballroom the event is never small the social pages say I've got the biggest balls of all I've got big balls oh i got big balls there's such big balls and the dirty big balls. And he's got big balls. And he's got big balls. But then we've got the biggest balls of them all. My balls are always So you know it's hard because there's only a handful that are really, really fast. And oh by the way, that was another reason why uh, ACDC were considered punk because let there be rock was one of the fastest songs on the other side of motorhead. Right. At the time, nobody
2: was doing that speed. That's true. That's true. In that time period. Yeah. Only punk bands were allowed to be that fast. I was wondering why the let there you know during Let There Be Rock you have a Bible in your hand. That's a little wink wink of getting back at someone, isn't it?
0: I tear up a Bible in just about every show I've played since '97. Wow! In wow. Pansy Division or in Gay I make it a point to rip up a Bible because, to me, I, actually I saw it. I, I, it wasn't an idea I came up with. I saw Marilyn Manson on the Antichrist Superstar tour and he did the same thing he was ripping up bibles and throwing out bibles into the audience and getting some drag ideas
2: from him too
0: <laughs> that's correct that's correct that's...
2: <laughs> absolutely correct and you you would come up with uh let's see a whole lot of Rosie became a whole lot of jose yes <laughs> <That's> <laughs> with
0: a so color appropriate dildo too <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god you guys so clever <laughs>
0: You know, I love putting little Easter eggs and stuff with the props and, you know, getting people, you know, they, if they see it and they know, they know. right?
2: <laughs> they know, yeah. Well, wh- you were also joined on stage, uh, was it the Viper Room, with former Skid Row frontman Sebastian, Sebastian. Bach singing TNT. How did that come about? Yes.
0: Well, um, so I met him. He was friends with Kelly Deal, who was the sister of Kim Deal in the Pixies. Yep. Oh. Kelly Deal had a band called Kelly Deal Five Thousand, and Pansy Division played some shows with that band in New York. I did the sound check, and Kelly's band was coming in to do their sound check, and I went downstairs, and Sebastian's downstairs in his you know tour jacket from Motley Crue, <laughs> and his long hair, and he's smoking a huge joint, and so he goes, "Hey, dude." And I was like, okay, uh, hi, S- Sebastian Bach. Yes, of course I know who yeah. you are. Um, and, he, and he said, dude, are you in Pansy Division? And I said, yes. And he said, sit down. And we sat down and he said, I just want to say, dude, I am so fucking sorry for that shirt.
2: Oh, the shirt.
0: I, I am sorry to this day. I
2: know what you're talking about. For, uh,
0: for being so reckless with that and not knowing mm-hmm. what I was doing. And I should have known better. And now I know so many gay people and they're close to me and, and my, dear to my heart. And I just want you to know how badly I feel here. Have a hit. Wow. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm right back. I'm right back. Thank you so much for telling us that. Cause now yeah. whenever we talk about that in interviews, we will say, cause at the time, lots of people asked our opinion yeah. of that shirt.
2: For listeners who don't know, this was the interview with Kurt Loader where, uh, sebastian was wearing a shirt and what did it say i i don't know if i'll repeat it
0: yeah it says aids kills fags dead yeah and that was it was in that raid sort of logo like the bug yeah i remember that um yeah um he yeah he was really and i could he wasn't just being you know he could have been rock starred out he really dialed it down and was like i'm i am sorry I want to, I want to tell you and have you tell everybody, please, I'm sorry for that. Yeah. And this one time he said, let me sing a song. I'm like, okay, so That's let's cool. do, let's just, I'll step aside and let him do all the lyrics. Cause there's no sense in trying to figure him, you know, get him to figure out our new lyrics, you know, let's just have him yeah. do it. And he picked TNT. So we were like, do it.
2: Yeah. Awesome.
0: I mean, I, I'm thrilled that he was on stage with us. That was him saying, please accept me.
2: Yeah. Uh, please accept my apology. Good for him. I saw uh, Doug Pinnick was on stage with you, the bass player from King's X. Yes. What did he play with you guys?
0: Well, he found I think he saw us at the Eagle, and again Brian befriended him more and brought him into the fold, and you know we've been good friends with him. Yeah, I mean it's it's odd to say you know people that are like okay they're my friends you know I'm like how oh, that's wow. awesome. Um, <laughs> and uh you know he said but i want to play a song with you and it worked out to be um let there be
2: cough and he was great (laughs) he was great Oh my god. Like okay,
0: I'm 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 turning around and like, you know, Glenn's doing the tambourine instead and I'm I'm looking back and there's like, okay, it's Doug panic. It's okay. It's
2: wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, you get that moment on there like, oh, I actually met that guy backstage once. He's like a praying mantis. His arms are like all the way down to his shins. Yes. That's how he <laughs> can hold that bass all the way down like that. It's like, you know, way down there. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I like the version of uh, Long Way to the Top with, hel- uh, is it Well Hung Heart? Correct. And you don't play the bagpipes, but actually, what are you blowing into there, Chris?
0: It's called a lot. Mel- <laughs> <laughs> I just heard
2: how you said that. I'm like, Sorry. that was good.
0: Um, it's called a melodica. <laughs> you know, you might remember uh, the sound in, the Hooters used to have that in their sound. That was their yeah. sound. Oh, yeah. yes. That was the only way I could do it. Yeah. think it's easy yeah. even as a tribute band where, you know, they're going to pretty much like certain things about it. it You know, the gay angle can upset some people. Sure. We were really lucky to find that I think people are taking it more like a bachelorette party.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, we're like a bachelorette sure. party. The girls are happy. So the guys are going <laughs> right, to be happy. Exactly. You know, get your girlfriends there, you know, get them horny and <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. Um, and so that was, yeah, I think, I think we've been very happy with the, reception that we've been getting outside of
1: la for sure did you ever like show up at a club like the wrong club and your shtick didn't work (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh um no uh we
0: haven't um honestly um i do think that in pansy division we've encountered that like um there's been shows that we were on and like oh god no why you know nobody there wanted us there so why are we there
1: I guess with a name like G C D C people know what they're, they're walking into. So. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, and yeah. I think that's more, you know, they can look us up and see what we're about to see. You know, there's plenty yep. of footage and plenty of stuff to see, uh, to get an idea of what we're going to be like in person. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I wanted to go deep here. A couple of last final questions here. ACDC, Beyond the Thunder, what we do is basically a passion project which sheds light on how this one band has timeless music and affected so many unique people like yourself in so many diverse ways. What makes ACDC so special to you in your mind?
0: Because they never pretended to be anything than they, what they are. They were completely authentic, which is what I was looking for in punk an authentic expression Nice. they kept their sound even though they you know changed their drum sounds and stuff in the 80s you know who didn't right at that point you had to if you were gonna have a if you were gonna have a deal in the 80s you had to do something yeah. you know look at heart you know what an overhaul they had and acdc sounded pretty much the same just different drum sounds because well no honestly they had different drummers back then too Well, and you mentioned flick of the switch. That is the again, they went right back to being what is this band like live? What do we sound like? Yeah. I could picture them. You know what I mean? Like there was no like extra keyboards or extra stuff getting in the way. Mm -hmm. Even back in black, I could put it on, just go, yeah, here's a guitar. Here's a guitar, the bass, drums, voice. It's all right there. Nice. And that sort of connection. You know, because I can listen to other albums and go, "What? what's the room I'm in? Where, where am I? You know, that's overproduced. Right. And they're just simple. And here's what we do. And we do this best. That to me has always been amazing. And a a two hat trick like that, nobody does that. I mean, how many bands ha- have ever done that? I mean, I could say maybe Genesis lost their singer Handful. and they both actually stayed. Yeah pretty darn you know yeah but to lose your singer at a crucial time right in their yeah. history and to and to just i mean for me i loved highway to hell yeah i i and and i loved power rage before that my still my favorite though is let there be rock since it was my first yeah, you know
2: of course um,
0: <laughs> but uh but when they hit back in black i was like who could have done this Crazy. besides them and have this amazing album like wow you know so i've always had like a major heart for them you know
2: how has acdc changed your life
0: um well because they were the they were the bridge that kept my the me interested in hard rock at all um because i would have been a punk all the way if you know if it weren't for bands like acdc that were like yeah you don't you don't mess around you just show up and do it yeah and that ethic as well like that's an ethic that that any they show up and they blow everyone away everybody you can't be you can't play after acdc there's no way <laughs> and i've i've taken all those rules in it's like be the band that nobody can play after do what you want
2: <laughs> i love it well Chris, yeah. thank you for visiting us from sunny California to brighten our day. Yes, thank you, and making ACDC your very own fabulous thing. Um, our last question that we ask all of our guests is: if you had to distill ACDC down to one word, what would your one word be? Um, so I figured there'd be a sexual innuendo. In, uh, <laughs> 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 oh my
0: gosh!
2: Okay, balls. There you have yes. it. ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song Trailer Trash written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast all rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation.
1: But na na